Welcome to Grace. Again, we're glad that you're with us. I bet you stayed up late last night, right? For the game or the new year. Some of that was disappointing, wasn't it? Yeah, well, we're glad you're here. It's a new year. We can forget all that. That's last year's stuff. We're blasting off into 2017, and we're excited about it. Yay, all right. Me and one other person are excited about it today. So yeah, we're, we're ready. So we, we are pumped about what's happening. A lot of cool things happening uh, with our church. God has blessed us for the last several years. We've had a lot of growth and just neat to see what God has done in our church. And we believe he's continuing to do that uh, in 2016 as well as 2017 as we start that today. And there are some things that are, are changing with our campuses. As many of you know, we, we have a new campus coming online in a couple of months in Northwood in the Toledo area. We just rehired a former uh, pastor here, Harold Bierga, to be the campus pastor there. So we're excited about that. Yeah, you can clap for Harold. And, uh, and then at Paulding, there's some changes too. Cameron Michael, who's been the pastor there for the last couple of years, he's moving on to a new ministry, a, a chaplain in the army. And so as that happens, that transitions Cameron and, and Carrie and, and their little one, Riley, out. And we, uh, we wish them all luck. Cameron's going to start doing some training for that. So we may get to see um, Carrie and, and Riley around here a little bit. We'll see. But uh, in regarding that, we have hired one of our own, Craig Marcy, to head the... He's basically going to be our Sunday host campus pastor. He's going to keep his regular job, but travel over there on Sundays and, and host that for us. He's actually been in ministry before. We're really excited about that. And then we have another young man in our church named Dalton Anstead. He's a college student who is also gifted in being able to play music, and he will be the music director for the Paulding campus as well. So there's a lot of changes happening, and we're excited about where God's taking us as a church as we try to introduce people to Christ here in our area and grow closer to Him. And we're also hoping for that and, and some of these others, sort of our region, for that to happen too. Today, first day of the new year, we're starting a new series, and it's called 10 Degrees Hotter. And I really thought that that would be a theme for us for the whole year, as far as a, a theme for our church. But for the next several weeks, it's going to be our series, and we're going to look at different areas to how we can be closer to God. I believe that the Christian life is like a lot of things. If we're not paying attention to it, we drift and we don't tread water a lot, I believe, in our Christian life. I believe we're either growing closer to God or it seems that we're growing colder toward God. And so we want to be intentional about our relationship. And that's the theme of the series is 10 degrees hotter that we're going to look at different areas where we can increase our passion for God, where we can become closer to God, more passionate about our relationship with God. And that's what we're looking at. And the first topic that we're going to talk about today, and that is prayer. Prayer is so important because communication is key in relationship, right? Men, tune in. Communication is key in relationships, right? Right. So, Obviously, our relationship with God, that involves some communication as well. As many of you know, Pam and I have a couple of grandkids, 
and uh, they're one year old and they are just starting to learn how to communicate, to talk, which is very cool. It's neat to see that happening and, and because what happens is a lot of times before they can talk, something's wrong. You don't know what's wrong. They're trying to, something's bothering them. They're crying and you never know why. But as they learn to communicate, as they learn to talk, they can start telling you that stuff, right? And so it's better. It helps the relationship. I know our, uh, our granddaughter, Aria, when she wants food, she says hunger, which is kind of sad, but uh, that at least we know. She's hungry. Sounds, you know, sounds a little pathetic, but she's hungry. Hunger. She wants food. So we respond to that. And really, we, we've got to have that kind of relationship with God. Last couple of weeks, uh, I've been telling some poor me stories about being stranded during a blizzard on Christmas, two Christmas days. Uh, one time being stranded, all I had was a, can, a small can of SpaghettiOs and, and some M&Ms. And then the next Christmas day, I wished I had a can of SpaghettiOs and a bag of M&Ms. I don't even like SpaghettiOs. But because I told those stories before Christmas... Somebody dropped off a package, actually it was Tom and Sally Adams, they dropped off a package and I opened it and here's what I found. So they were preparing me for Christmas, all the SpaghettiOs and M&Ms that I could eat, which is kind of, you got to be careful what you're communicating to people and, and sometimes be careful what you ask for. But what I want to do is, first of all, look at what Jesus said about prayer. And he teaches us to pray in Matthew chapter 6, and the passage starts in verse 5, and that's where I'd like to pick it up. Here's what Jesus said. When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray... Go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows your need before you ask Him. Pray then in this way, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Now, prayer is all about how we approach God. And, and when we approach anyone, especially with a request, we make some assumptions about that person. Here's what I mean. I want you to look around the auditorium and maybe spot somebody on a row in front of you and somebody else on the row behind you. I would say next to you, but most of the people are sitting with their spouses. But So just look at somebody on the row ahead of you. Do this right now. And look at somebody on the row behind you. Can you do I don't see anybody looking around. Yeah, look around. That's the only weird thing I'm going to ask you to do. All right, so now think about the, a person. You can look back up. Think about a person. 
and the rest you could just do this in your imagination. What if you went to this, because you may not know the, these people very well, what if you went to someone on the pew, some p- person that you've looked at, and you said, hey, I forgot my pen, can I borrow one? Can I borrow a pen? And if they had one, they, they give it, that'd be very appropriate. You'd probably feel comfortable doing that, right? What if, so if they ask you that, you'd feel good about that. What if you ask them, um, I forgot something in my car, can I borrow your coat because it's cold out there and I want to go out and get it? Then all of a sudden, we would be expecting that we might know them a little bit better for them to ask that. It wouldn't be a stranger, probably be somebody we know, right? Seems a little more appropriate. Or, then, or what, if, what if they ask you, hey, I forgot something at home, can I borrow your keys so I can drive and get it? Okay, now all of a sudden, it needs to be family or somebody you know really, really well, right? Otherwise, not really appropriate. Jesus is teaching us from the very beginning of this prayer, our Father. He's letting us know where we line up and the appropriateness, where we stand, because the rest of the prayer hangs on that, how we can ask God. So that's the first step in teaching us how to approach God. Now, Jesus is also teaching us how not to approach God. First, he mentions the hypocrites, and he's saying, those people, they're, they're praying to God, but they're just doing it as a show, and it's really to impress people, not God. And we don't see a lot of that anymore around that I can think of. But then the other thing he mentions how we should not pray is, he says, don't pray like the Gentiles. And so that's, that's a little different. That's something I think we can learn from. Basically, I want us to work through this passage, and I want us to work through by looking at three questions. A lot of times I do the three questions. Here are the three questions we'll work through this passage with. First, how do pagans pray? And I'll explain that in a minute. How do followers of Jesus pray? And how, how do you pray? First of all, how do pagans pray? When he says, do not pray like the Gentiles, in a lot of modern versions, that's translated pagans. The word technically means Gentiles, but the flavor of what Jesus is saying, the reason a lot of people translate that pagans, is what he's really trying to say is, how do people who don't follow the one true God, how do they pray? Now, when we hear the word pagans, we might think of somebody who's anti-God, hedonistic, kind of wild, and they don't pray at all. But in the first century, the word pagan was really about people who did pray. People who didn't follow the one true God, they prayed to many gods. They worshiped false gods. They prayed all the time. And Jesus is saying, don't pray like the pagans pray. And then he points out how they pray. He says, for they suppose that they will be, because of repetition, they suppose that they will be heard by their many words. What Jesus is pointing out is, These Gentiles, or specifically these pagans, they think God hears them based on how they pray, the method of their prayer, how long their prayer is, or or maybe what position or where they're praying at, or if they're kneeling or maybe prostrate on the ground, how they're praying. And because of how they pray, they feel like praying to God is a little bit like a contract. I give God what He wants. 
and then God gives me what I want. It's a contractual type of a relationship. And, and we see that in people all the time. Even people who call themselves Christians, a lot of times will say, I prayed and I asked God and, and maybe I did this this way or maybe I was really good for three days or came to church several times before I prayed. And God didn't answer the way I wanted to answer. God didn't do it. God didn't hold up his end of the bargain. If you're ever thinking like that, you are praying like a pagan prays. That's what Jesus is telling us. That's the religious way. That's the pagan way. Why does God even listen to it? Is it because of something we do or is it because of something God does? And maybe the best way for us to figure this out in our own life is to know how we respond. When God doesn't give us what we want, do we do that like the pagans? Like you didn't hold up your end of the bargain? Or... Even worse, do, do we shake our fist at God and say, how could you do that? How could you not give me what I asked for? How is that? When we're reacting like that with anger or frustration to God, that's a pagan way to pray. So how do you pray as a follower of Jesus? Well, Jesus talked a lot about prayer. Prayer is important to God. And in different places, he says different things. For example, Jesus tells us that we can pray in his name. Jesus tells us to pray in faith. Uh, Jesus tells us to not give up, to pray persistently. He actually told two parables illustrating that one truth that we should pray persistently. But in this passage where he's specifically giving us a model prayer, again, this is not a prayer for us to repeat over and over and over. It's a prayer outlining for us a model prayer how we can pray. And if we, if we wanted to, to walk away with something, I try to put this into an outline that we can remember. If we wanted an outline of Jesus' prayer and we wanted to keep it really, really simple, one way to do it would be this. Honor God. That's the first thing. Surrender your will. That's the second thing that he's wanting us to do. Make requests knowing that if it's good, God will give it to you. And then fourth, ask for forgiveness with a forgiving heart. So that might be four ways to remember. The last one's thrown on because of those scary comments at the end that Jesus makes. But so that's what we have. Honor God. This is hallowed be your name. This is giving God his due, recognizing his transcendence above us. And then submitting our will. This is where your will be done. That's where we're saying we're recognizing God's will, what God's agenda is, what he's doing in and around our life. That's the most important thing that we need to keep in mind. That we would, because we tend to come to God with all of our petty agendas, all of the things that we want done. And we need to put that into a broader context of what God has done. So our hearts will be aligned with his will. John 14, 13 says, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I'll do it. When, so this is where we get in Jesus' name, amen. But in Je when we end our prayers in Jesus' name, amen, this is really the same principle of starting our prayers with not my will, but your will. Your will be done. When we say in Jesus' name, what we're saying is 
we're understanding that our prayers are in the context of praying consistently with regards to who Jesus is, what he's doing, what he wants, what his purposes are. Third, we ask knowing that if it's good, God will give it to us. And we're reminded that God already knows our deepest needs, but we still pray. We're still commanded to pray. We're told to pray. We're invited to pray, even though God already knows. And really, this helps us. It's a matter of trust. Um, He wants us to come near to him. Matthew 7, 7 says, ask. Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it will be opened to you. He's inviting us to come in and pray. He continues to say, for everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. Ask and know that if it's good, God wants to give it to us. And then we should ask for forgiveness with a heart to forgive. We should ask for, notice he says, forgive us our debts. It's interesting that debts is plural. It could be forgive us our debt. We all have a debt toward God. We've all sinned against him. He says, forgive us our debts and I think what Jesus is is getting at here is that instead of praying, oh, by the way, God, forgive me of everything I did wrong today or last week or however often we're praying, I think it's good for us to think about what those things are and talk to God about those. Because as we do that, it helps us come to realization in our life, in what areas of our life are we out of God's will, are we... Uh, violating his principles, his law? Are we misaligned with his purposes? So going through those things, debts, our, our trespasses, as some, some used to say it, you know, as we do that, it helps us identify those things that are in our lives that really need to change. And it helps us think through all those individual things. Matthew uh, is telling us that recording for us that when Jesus is saying all this, At the end there, he wraps it up. That's the scary part where he says, prayer's over, and now it says, for if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. And this sounds odd to us because it sounds like conditional forgiveness. We know from everywhere else in the Bible that if we acknowledge our sin, we're all, we've all done things that are wrong. We've all violated God's commands, every single one of us. And because God is perfectly just, we all deserve punishment for that or there would be no justice. And that punishment is severe because of our sin against God. And that separation from God forever in hell, we don't want his authority now, so we sin against him. We'll just always be that way. We'll be separated from him. But once we come to him in faith, he invites us back. He loves us. So he allowed Jesus to come live a perfect life and die on the cross for our sins. And so if we place our faith in Jesus and Jesus alone, then that death covers our sins. So Jesus pays for our sins. And so and that's a gift that we receive through faith. And by faith, we mean trusting in what Christ did, having faith that what Jesus did on the cross was enough to pay for our sins. And it is. It's the only thing that could. Well, when that happens, when we put our faith in Christ, 
God actually positionally, God forgives us all of our sins, past, present, and future. All of our sins are forgiven as far as eternity is concerned. And we will be with him forever and none of those will be holy again. But now here Jesus is saying, when we pray to God, forgive us our debts, and, and there seems to be an implication that we'd list those out, that we're asking for forgiveness. So what's up with that? Sounds conditioned. Doesn't sound right. Well, what's going on there is Jesus is explaining something to us. He's teaching us something. Because when we've received forgiveness from God, when we realize that as sinful people, you and me, we violated God's commands and God is perfectly holy. And, and the right punishment of our sin is separation from him, but he loves us. And so he makes a way and it's free. It's a gift. We don't do anything to earn it. We can't earn it. And when we, when we receive forgiveness like that, Jesus is pointing out when we inhale that kind of forgiveness, we'll exhale forgiveness in our life. If we've received that kind of forgiveness from God, it's very difficult for us to withhold forgiveness to other people because no matter what somebody has done to us, the sum total of their wrongs against us is far less than the sum total of our wrongs against God and God has forgiven us freely. And he's asking us to forgive others. Actually, Jesus told the story about this. He said one time there was a king and there was one of his subjects owed him a huge debt, like a trillion dollars. Just an astronomical debt, like a country would owe a country. But this one guy owes this to the king. And the guy pleads for mercy. Have patience. I'll pay it back. And so the king has pity on him and says, you know what? I forgive you of your debt. You don't owe me anymore. Have a great day. And the guy walks out and he runs in to another guy on the street and this guy owes him money, owes him 10,000 bucks. And so he grabs the guy and says, pay me my 10,000. And the guy uses the same words that this guy used to the king. He says to him, have mercy on me, have patience, I'll pay you back. And this guy says, no, throw him in jail, make, you know, make him pay until he pays me. And then the king hears. So the king calls the, the first guy back and says, whoa, let me get this straight. You are in here today and you were, you were pleading for mercy. You owed me a trillion bucks and I forgave you. And then you went out and you ran into a, an old friend of yours that owes you $10,000 and you had him thrown into jail when he asked for the same mercy. And the king says, you owe me a trillion dollars again. Tosses him in jail. And we kind of look at that story and go, whoa, that sounds like he reneged on that. You know, that king, hey, the point of the story is, hey, have we been forgiven so much? We should forgive others because it's far less that we're forgiving. That's what our Father wants us to do. That's what our King expects of us. So how do we know 
whether our prayers are moving toward a pagan prayer or our prayers are moving toward a prayer more like a follower of Jesus should pray. The whole key, as I mentioned before, is right at the beginning, our Father. The whole prayer hangs on that relationship. That dictates everything else that follows. All of a sudden now, when we pray to our Father, it makes it appropriate for us to ask anything. A pen? Sure. A coat? No problem. The car keys? Yeah. You can ask. Why? Because you're in relationship. Now, you want to ask according to his will, but it all becomes appropriate. John 1, 12 puts it this way, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who are not who were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Jesus is telling us it, we can appropriately ask God anything with his kingdom in mind. If you've, if you've come to this point to trust God for your salvation, he's inviting you to come to him in prayer. And in his amazing grace, if we have that faith, in his amazing grace, he's declaring us sons and daughters whom he wants relationship with. The problem is sometimes we get that out of whack. A guy smarter than me said it this way. If we knew all of what God knows, we would only ask for what he gives. Kind of a weird saying. If we knew, we don't. But if we knew all, if we knew everything God knows, we would only ask for what God gives us because God gives us what's best. We just don't see it. Does that make sense? But here's what happens. A lot of times we approach God and we have all these issues in our life. So all these problems, issues, we're praying about all these things. And sometimes these things in our life can become as big as God, this rock represents God. And we make all these things as big as God. And sometimes we are praying to God about things that are so important to us, we have made them in our life more, they're above God, they're more important than God is. And so we're praying to God about something that we've made a God in our life. Something that, that we are, are putting above God. And we're asking God, save this thing, save this thing in my life that I'm putting above you. And, and then when, when God says no, because we're asking him to save this little God in our life. And it could even be a good thing. It's just we've placed it above God. Well, God can't answer that. It's not good for us. And then when God doesn't answer the way we want him to answer, then we point our finger at God or we shake our fist and we say, how dare you take this away from me? How dare you take this little God out of my life? But that's, that's what's best for you because God 
has to be above everything else, every need, everything in our life. We want to pray according to, to God's will, God's order. So how, how do we align our prayers with His will? Well, we find out His will through Scripture. We're going to be talking about that. We find out His will, and then we pray as we approach God in light of what God's plan is, what His agenda is for the world, for our life, what He's doing through and around us. We try to tune in to that. So here's my question. How many of you would like to be closer to God, or put it this way, how many of you would like to have a more passionate prayer life in 2017 than you did in 2016? I would. And so then the question is, that's our 10 degrees hotter. So a lot of times, then we'll hear a story about some guy that prayed on his knees. They called him camel knees, and he prayed nine hours a day, and or what? You know, and then we start out in day one, we don't do it. Ten degrees hotter. How can we incrementally in our life make this show up? How can we be, how can we be more consistent in our prayer life? How can we change our prayer life in order to grow, be more passionate, to be rekindled, more passionate about God? Now, now here's the deal. There's kind of a danger here. Because a lot of times we over-program things. We say, well, so how's, how's my prayer life? Well, I'm pretty good at praying at night, so that's when I do most of my prayer. So what I could do is start praying in the morning, and that's a good time to pray too. And so by doing both of those, yeah, that, that'll, that'll help if I could just get in the habit. That's good. Or I only pray at meals. So if I prayed at night, no matter where you're at, we can all get 10 degrees hotter in this. But here's what I'm talking about. Those are good things. And, and to make those changes in your life could be great. But sometimes I think we miss the mark a little bit. Years ago, when my son Zach was, I think he was 14, they were building this building. And before there was any carpet or chairs or anything, it was just concrete and studs. These two front walls up here were actually cinder block, and then where the screen was, there was a big hole in the wall. And we were coming up, looking over the place, and, and we sat down in the hole of the screen with our legs dangling down the wall, right over there, right there. And we had a talk. We were talking about uh, the construction, but mainly we, we were talking about ministry and what God's doing and how God might use this and what a blessing it was, just all those things. I still remember that. It's 15 years ago. I think Zach was maybe 14 years old. Father-son talk. That's what Jesus is trying to tell us. He wants us to share our lives with God like a parent-child relationship. We're sons and daughters of the King. He wants us, he, want, he wants our life. Have a, carve out a time for prayer at night. Carve out a time for prayer in the morning. You know, pray at mealtime. Great, great, great. All those are great. And anything that we're not doing like that, if we added that, that would be great. 
But I think there's a danger that we just add another time to bring our list to God to present these requests. And what we don't do is just continuously during the day share our day with God. That's what He wants from us, relationship. He invites us into relationship with Him all day long. So no matter what we're doing, no matter what we're experiencing, no matter who we're going to meet with next or who we met with a while ago or where we're driving to or anything, that we can share our day with God. We can talk to Him about His will. What is He up to in all this? How does that intersect with your life? What's going to happen? How's God going to use you today? What can you accomplish with His help? And, and just share your day. And I think that's how we... We can all increase our passion and become really degrees hotter, more passionate, rekindled in our relationship with Him. So we're going to close in prayer. By the way, pressure's on. We're closing in prayer. And I've got to pray. All right. We're going to pray. And, and here's what I want you to think about. What would a 10-degree hotter prayer life look for you and your life in 2017? What would that mean for you? We're all in different spots. We're, we're all different. But wherever you're at, what does 10 degrees hotter look like? And how many of us would be willing to try to put that into practice, to try to do that, be with God more. Whether it's scheduled or maybe even better yet, impromptu, just a way that we are just committed to make that happen. How many would say, yeah, I would make that commitment. Yeah, I'm with you, Kevin. I would. Anyone else? Yeah, let's, let's make that happen. And I don't know, I, I, I'm figuring it out for my own life. So I don't know how to tell you how to do that for your life. I don't want to over-program this. I just want to challenge all of us that we accomplish that somehow. And that will help us to be more passionate about God and our relationship with Him. Let's stand together for prayer. Father in heaven, we, first of all, we thank you for who you are. Lord, and what you've done and how you've revealed yourself to us. It's an amazing thing. And, and God, we're, we're stunned, we're awed that you would allow us, that, that you would even want us to communicate with you. But you do. And you continually invite us into relationship with you. And God, we say thanks. And Father, I pray that you would give us the wisdom, all of us here, to know how we can grow closer to you through our prayer life. God, I pray that you give each of us as individuals, Lord, that your spirit would just impress on our hearts ways that we can put into practice today, the first day of 2017. That would help us to, to be closer to you, more passionate about you all year long. God, I pray that you help convict us, or that you help us see that in our life, 
Lord, that you'd help us to think about this and talk to you about this, even today, to start today, first day of the year. Lord, help us to do that. And God, we are blown away at your love for us that we don't deserve. None of us deserve it. And God, thank you. And, and Father, for those of us here in this room who aren't believers, God, we pray that, that you'd help them to see you more clearly as well. God, help us all to grow closer to you, not only right now, but throughout this entire year. God, thanks for the privilege of knowing you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.